On this birthday edition, I'll talk about a year-old disappearance in Arizona, a development in the Tyler North murder, an incident of a man falling out of a plane is also on the agenda, and I'll discuss a whole bunch of other stuff, including all the items I've recently gotten from listeners. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live for August 1st, 2022 All right, everybody. <laughs> I've been waiting for this day for a year <laughs> since since it occurred last time, which would have been August 1st, 2021. As uh, obviously many of you know, looking at the uh, chat room already, that you know that today, August 1st, uh, is my birthday and has been since I was born. Imagine that. And really, it's just been a pretty regular day here uh, at Unfound Headquarters. You know, except for the fact that I have this happy birthday sign. Uh, I know it's not even or anything. You know, I'm no uh, interior designer. But um, you can see what it says there. Maybe if you need a little better shot there. There we go. Happy birthday to me. And, uh, of course, for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast without the video, I'm sorry you can't see it, but you could go to YouTube and um, see what I'm talking about. But uh, somebody shipped me that uh, happy birthday sign behind me, and uh, I I put it up this evening uh, as best I could. It's up there with scotch tape, and uh, it might be... Uh, you know, let's just hope it stays up for the entire live show. How about that? So before I get into all of that, uh, uh, welcome, of course, to this live show for August 1st, um, 2022. And before I go any further, uh, if you are not yet a subscriber to this channel, please hit the subscribe button right down here. That would be the bottom right-hand corner. If you're not a subscriber, and then, of course, hit the little bell button so when the live show starts or we um, upload videos, as we do at least every Friday when uh, the new episodes of the podcast come out, I will be doing a map analysis this week, too, by the way. You will be alerted immediately. In addition, if you're feeling uh, generous... Maybe you think about hitting the join button down there and you get some very special stuff. If you'd like to know what that stuff is, just hit the join button. You will not be charged or anything to start. If you hit the join button, it will tell you first what you will get for the low, low price of 10 cents a day. That's it. 10 cents a day, $3 a month. That's it. So if you like what we do here, if you want to support this channel, support the podcast, 
and get some good stuff that other people don't get, then consider hitting that join button. Let's see who's in here first, and then uh, to start the uh, show off tonight, we're going to do a little show and tell. And once again, for those people who are uh, listening instead of watching, I apologize, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. Um, hello, Sheree. Administrator, moderator, assistant Sheree was the first one in tonight. Sheree, I think that that is a first. Thank you for moderating uh, on my birthday, Sheree. Deeply appreciated. Stitching. What's going on, Stitching? Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. And there's Puma and Kathy and Jasmine and Screaming. Thank you for the birthday wishes, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Nephew Charles. Nephew, what's going on? And thank you for the birthday wishes. I know yours is also coming up in a couple weeks. Twinkle. Hello, Carrie. And uh, Carrie was on the phone. And L. Joppo. That's funny. First time here. Well, uh, welcome to the uh, live show for the first time, El Japo. Saw a link on Facebook. That's what we do here. I post that Facebook every Monday now that the live show is on Mondays. It was on Wednesdays. Hello, Paula. Suzanne. Uh, it, Twinkle says it looks quite festive here. Well, we got, I got this. I got the sign. Uh, I had pizza. I got leftover pizza here. Eating pizza for the first time in a long time think a long, long time, at least pizza from this particular place. And uh, so I guess you could say it's uh, quite festive here, Twinkle. And um, Julie, thank you. Screaming. Yes, everybody, as you are watching tonight, please give this show a thumbs up that I would deeply appreciate that. And uh, DLV, yeah, thank you. Oh, look at the uh, birthday little emojis there. Love that. Hello, Barbara. What's going on with you? Thank you very much. So uh, once again, if you're watching, uh, give it a thumbs up, uh, whether you're watching live now or watching this later in the reruns, as we say, uh, anybody who remembers the 70s and 80s. And if you're watching on a podcast, maybe you will uh, have a chance to give this or at least think about giving this podcast a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever you can do on your own particular podcast platform. Thank you, Freddie. I appreciate that. Freddie A., thank you very much. I appreciate it. We're going to start tonight with a little show and tell. Some of the things that I've received over the past. One of these things I got even before I went to Illinois, but I did not show it to you. Uh, but so I'm going to start with that, and then I'm going to show you uh, some things that I've gotten uh, over the past week uh, because uh, it being my birthday today. Uh, this was sent to me by Lori Powell. Of course, you will remember she was a guest last year. And, of course, her son Caleb Powell, you can see it right there, uh, went missing in Arizona. He is unfortunately still missing. But she had sent me this out of nowhere. Uh, I, I don't even remember whether she told me she was sending me anything or not. Maybe I gave her my address, but I wasn't sure for what purpose. And I ended up getting this in the mail uh, in July. And so this is like a tumbler. You know, you can put water or whatever in it. And it gives, it has all of the information, of course, regarding Caleb's disappearance. If you will remember, 
He was up in uh, kind of the outskirts of Phoenix, and he was supposed to be taking a friend down to another part of Phoenix. And it seems like that friend ended up there, but then Caleb's vehicle was found uh, kind of abandoned near a casino on the outskirts of Phoenix, and Caleb has never been seen again. But she sent me this, uh, has his uh, flyer on there. And it says, love, hope, family, and faith. Uh, And you can see this all uh, right here. And, um, of course, I will not be using it. It's it's way too nice, way too special to probably be used for anything. But it will be featured prominently in my condo, as are anything that guests uh, send me anything like this are obviously always featured prominently where I live. So... And um, it says here, I'm all, you know, I'm always with you and has the the cross there. Very nice. Uh, Very well done. So um, Lori, Caleb's mother sent this to me. So I thought you would want to see that. I had not shown that to you um, before I went to Illinois. Um, (laughs) Sheree says, love the decor. You like how I put that up, Sheree? That's with the scotch tape. And that kind of just appeared in the mail out of nowhere in my box a few days ago. Uh, And there you go. It's not like I said, it it seems like this side, this side could come down. This side could go up. What are you going to do? But everybody can read it. And that's most important. Uh, DLV, thank you for the generous super chat contribution. And El Joppo, thank you as well. Uh, For any of you who are in the live chat right now, you will see that DLV and El Joppo have used the super chat button, which is that gray square with a dollar sign down there at the bottom. And then Sheree, wow, Sheree, you are very generous too. Thank you uh, so much. But uh, all of these people in the yellow, the orange, or the blue and the orange, it's so colorful, um, are contributing monetarily to Unfound and its cause. And you can do that while the live show is happening. So every, all of you, thank you so much. You're all very generous. Thank you. And if you'd like to contribute as well, just hit the little gray square with the dollar sign in the middle. And it doesn't matter. Like El Joppo, 99 cents. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Sheree and DLV, thank you as well. So next thing I want to show all of you are a couple cards that I got. And the first one is this one right here. <laughs> the pig with the uh, overalls on standing in mud kind of looks like how I looked when I was up in Illinois that last day of playing disc golf and it was raining. It was nothing but mud. That's kind of what I look like right there. <laughs> And on the inside, it says, Ed, overall, you're awesome. And it says, wishes for a terrific, spectacular birthday, number 52, lugs, love, hugs, blesses, and uh, you know who you are who sent this. So um, what a spectacular uh, card right there. Um, And I actually took a picture of this and posted it on my private Facebook page. So everybody, I was like, you know, people know me. These are the, these are the kind of cards uh, that, um, you know, that crack me up that uh, that I think are very special. So uh, yeah, this this picture totally reminds me of how I looked that Friday playing up in Illinois, 
slipping and sliding around in the in the rain and mud. And maybe that pig even maybe looks like me a little bit. Maybe. The other card that I got was this one. Once again, another animal. Maybe it has something to do with the whole camel thing that continues to go on. And here is... Uh, this is uh, a card uh, that I got m- more recently. And it says, I got an alpaca so I could give you a beautiful sweater for your birthday. I think that's particularly funny. Somebody thinking about giving me a sweater and I live in Florida. But So we got this alpaca. And look at that head of hair on there. I- I'm even jealous of that head of hair on that alpaca. I've seen actually alpacas in person. They have the- They have a farm. Uh, up w- near where my dad lives that will drive by and the alpacas or llamas or whatever they are, uh, are right there. And so I've actually seen them in person, but I got an alpaca so I could give you a beautiful sweater for your birthday. I hope you can see that. And then on the inside it says, but apparently they don't know how to knit. I love it. I love jokes like that. Love it. Love it. Love it. And it says, happy birthday anyway. And it says, hope your day is great. And also, um, you know who you are who sent me this card. But uh, there we go. We got this card uh, right here. I love it. And you should know, um, just one of those things, any cards and things that I get from anybody, whether it's for Christmas or birthday or whatever, I don't throw cards away. In fact, I still have all the cards that my mother sent to me over all the years after I left Pennsylvania. I still have all of those for birthdays and everything else. I keep them. So these will be kept as well. So maybe we'll put these over here. And then next, I want to show this. Now, this is maybe going to seem a little weird. Been screaming, thank you. You are very generous, screaming, uh, for hitting the super chat button. Thank you, screaming so much. Uh, for the contribution on this August 1st, 2022. Deborah, how are you doing? Oh, you like that with a little funny laughing emoji. That's funny. Hello, Sheree. Yeah, so nice. That's awesome. I know this is going to seem weird, but once again, a, a listener had sent me a $25 Amazon card. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with that? Uh, what can I buy? And I, I was thinking, you know what? I know this is going to seem so weird. I need some knives. In particular, uh, the knife that I use when I cook chicken wings, you know, because I get the whole chicken wing and then you have to cut, you know, the part off that you don't cook and throw it away. And then you have to separate like that leg part from the, the, the flat part into two. And the knife that I have here, which is just part of this condo, it's not even my knife. The utensils and plates and everything here are not mine. That knife is not good. It's the handle is loose on it and there are actually little indentations in the blade and everything. And I was like, I could really go for a good knife uh, for that because I think that knife's getting a little dangerous. And so I ordered, I got a three-piece knife set. (laughs) That's what I used the card for. And there you go. And so it has like a, a regular like, like steak knife and then it has like a knife that might be like some sort of bigger knife, but it's like a salad knife, like cutting heads of lettuce. And then there's a really big knife that you can use to cut bone and, and I, what I will probably use for my chicken wings. So this is what I ended up getting 
with uh, that gift card. So there's that. Thank you. Uh, you know who you are, who sent me this card. And uh, I love it. Now I'm, I, I think I'm going to feel much safer uh, cutting those chicken wings. Because like I said, this knife, it gets it done. In fact, I just cooked wings this past weekend. The knife handle is plastic. And it's like kind of cracked and everything. So you can't pull the handle off of the, the, the blade part. But it sure is loose. And I'm like, what's, you know. So there you go. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to live here. I'll, I hope I can remember to take these knives with me when I leave. We'll just have to see. But for now, uh, they are in this condo. They are mine. And I will use them. So there you go on that. And then finally for show and tell, this is just something I got today. And... I'm not even sure who got this for me. These other things I know. Um, and it, because this was like drop shipped or something. So the person who sent it, maybe somebody sent me a message and I missed it, that they were sending me something. I actually got a disc golf mug. And it's spectacular. Let me, uh, let me see if I can read this. Let me uh, read this to you. Things I do in my spare time, play disc golf, watch disc golf games, research disc golf, talk about disc golf, think about disc golf, dream about disc golf. Those are all true. Those are certainly all true. I do all of those. And yes, I do dream uh, about disc golf as well. I have dream once in a while that I will be out on the disc golf course and it's it's both that on uh, both sides. So, um, and the thing is, this wasn't even in a box. This was just like in a styrofoam thing. It was just styrofoam. I don't know what happened to the box, but it was styrofoam. It, it was like two pieces, and I cut the. And here you go. Here was the the cup. So uh, fantastic! One of many kinds of disc golf things uh, that I've received from listeners over the last, you know, since I started Unfound. In fact, I will show you right here, and I remember who got this for me. This is uh, something that I got maybe a couple years ago, I think maybe on my birthday. This is another disc golf picture that I still have, and I have it right here on my desk, so from a few years ago. So, and then I have a disc golf shirt like uh, that somebody got me, a lot of different things like that. So uh, it's also spectacular. This is one of those things... Um, you know, uh, you just never, never could I have guessed in, in my life that these kinds of things, I, I, you know, would be happening to me, that there would be people who many, whom I've never met in person, you know, maybe we've had some conversations over messenger or whatever that would be so mo motivated by myself by the podcasts, uh, by uh, doing the interviews that I do and everything else, that they would be so motivated to uh, think of me and, and send things that are just so appropriate. That's, that's the thing. You know, these cards and it seems, it seems like everything is so on the mark. It's amazing. So, 
uh, just amazing. And uh, I really feel it. And I just don't feel it on my birthday. I feel it all the other rest of the days of the year uh, as well. And uh, being that today is newsletter day, I've not sent it out yet. It's finished. All of you will be getting the newsletter after I'm done tonight. But the last portion of the newsletter this month is talking about, you know, turning 52 and, you know, where my head is at this age and how I look back at the last 52 years and any advice uh, that I might have. And I, you know, I talk, I think, very, you know, plainly, very clearly, transparently about, you know, issues that I've had and how it's all come to be that now I'm sitting in this microphone uh, doing this live show on a Monday night. And I know that there are people in the United States and elsewhere who are watching and they like put it on their schedule to do so. You know, how, how, uh, you know, I realized that, you know, I grew up in a time before podcasts and YouTube and everything else, but still, you just never expect that something like that in your life is ever going to happen. So, um, you know, I just feel so fortunate and trust me, as many crazy avenues I've been down and things that I've failed at and everything else. Uh, well, you'll see it. Uh, hopefully you're all on the email list. So when you get your newsletter and get the, to the end, uh, I think the words that you will read there, uh, will explain everything, but really, uh, other than that, it's just been a regular day. I've been working today. Uh, you know, I got up, I had, you know, probably the only bad thing about my birthday is that I always have to pay rent on this day because it's the first of the month. So I had to do that. I finished a newsletter. Um, you know, I did some other things, getting ready to, to uh, write another uh, outline, getting ready to start making this coming Friday's uh, episode, which is going to be a long one. I had a, uh, um, a zoom meeting with the U uh, United Kingdom company that I've been working with on the Janelle Matthews murder. I had a talk with one of the producers again this morning, maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes. So really, of course I'm doing this live show, had to put this outline together, uh, for the live show. So, you know, uh, it's been pretty much a, a regular day other than that. So, um, and Twinkle says, oh, as you can guess who sent that. Uh, are you the one, Twinkle, are you the one who sent me the cup? It's perfect. Twinkle, you're very kind. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you, Twinkle. You're very kind. Thank you. And the DLV even says that mug is awesome. It is awesome. It is, and it will be featured prominently in my condo. Now, as far as I look back on, um, thank you, Karen. You know, looking back at uh, being 51, the 365 days of being 51, I have to tell you that it was a very good age for me. A lot of positive things happened over the course of this past year. Uh, one, quite a bit in disc golf, especially starting at the beginning of this year, it seemed like I sorted out some of the things going on in my head 
Uh, I've won uh, four tournaments, at least in my division, this year starting in Estero and then two um, tournaments at Taylor and then back down at Estero just a couple weeks ago, even though there was only one other guy in my division, but who cares? So it was very positive there. Certainly getting hooked up with Spotify beginning at the beginning of March uh, has been a very, very positive development. Um, so that has been good. Now, was everything uh, perfect? No. Uh, going up and, uh, you know, frankly, uh, driving my dad around for 38 days, that was a very stressful time uh, from the beginning of January till the end of February. So there was that on the other side, you know, of course, on the opposite side, because you never know how something like that is going to go. My dad is doing great, by the way. I talked to him today. He's doing fantastic. And so, you know, I really can't complain uh, about being 51. And I I would like to think that, of course, when I was 48, that's when my mother died. So that age was not good. But, you know, 49, turning 50, 51, you know, these have been some really, really good years. And uh, I, I... I don't know if it's by accident or by a plan or something, but I certainly pref- preferred so far my 50s over my 40s. It's not even close. I don't know if we've reached my 30s yet. I had a lot of good times in my 30s. Between Star Trek and a bunch of other things, the 30s were a very positive time, and the 30s were certainly better than my 20s. And, uh, you know, teens, I don't even know if you can compare that. So I would say that 30s are number one. 20s are probably number two. 50s, though, we're only a couple years in. 50s, if the 50s can continue to go like this, you know, 50s could get to first place before it's all over. Of course, I have a ways to go there. But I think the 40s are always going to be last. Just saying. So 51 was a very positive age. And if you're not there yet, I hope your year of being 51 uh, is as good as mine. And Julie, yeah, look at you with the uh, smiley face. Look at you. So moving on, uh, starting maybe where this uh, live show usually starts. uh, Disc golf um, played yesterday, kind of just doing some practicing, uh, playing with the club, but doing some practicing through a round. Really didn't care what my score was. Yesterday with the club, played with a very good friend of mine, Chuck. And uh, I think she is now his fiance, Leanne, and her son, Sean. We had a great time. Uh, Chuck is a great guy. Love playing with him anytime. Uh, even though most of the time he does beat me, I'm cool with it. He's a nice player. Uh, but we played together. And, uh, you know, what I like about playing with them is that we have a good time. You know, we're it's laid back, but it's... It's not crazy. You get playing with some of those guys on Sunday mornings, and they're just a little too loony. Looney tunes and, you know, just a little too zany, I would say. And But with Chuck and uh, Leanne, her son, and then I play with my buddy Richie. wasn't there yesterday, but he's like that too. He's very even-killed and some other guys. But... Um, but really, uh, for yesterday, for me, it was really just kind of a practice session for me because this Friday, 
I have a weird uh, thing going on where I'll be playing up in Floral City on a Friday. Uh, and my tea time isn't till three o'clock. So I'll leave here probably around quarter to one. Get there quarter to about two, maybe 2.15, warm up. And then it's just one round. It's kind of a uh, what they call flex start. It's like a charity benefit, but it still counts toward my PDGA rating. So I will be showing up there to play at like 3.12 in the afternoon on a Friday, which is has to be the first time ever. I played on a Friday just a couple weeks ago at Worlds, but the tea time was like 10 in the morning or something. So that's where I will be on Friday. I'm hoping to play well. Floral City is one of my favorite courses. I've played decently well there, and I've had some horrible rounds there. But uh, I'm hopeful for Friday, and I'm actually going to be playing an intermediate instead of in the age-protected division of MA50 because I need to build up some points because I would like to qualify for Worlds next year, which is going to be in Flagstaff, Arizona. And I just don't have enough points yet, and I have to build up enough points by the end of this year, and I'm a little behind. So I'm going to have to play in some divisions where you get more points playing in them. So that's the plan for Friday, and that's going to continue to be the plan until I get path, past that threshold. You need 500 points. I'm at 309. Certainly, I, I can get there if I play well enough, but I want to make sure that I, it's not like uh, I'm not sweating it out come like November and December. Um. You know, hopefully I'm well past 500 by the time November gets around here. So we'll just have to see. So that's coming up on Friday. Uh, the episode will be uh, played at the regular time. It's all automated these days uh, now. But uh, I don't anticipate uh, any problems with the episode coming out on Friday. Uh, Deborah says, yes, more points so you can come to Arizona. I, I can't – I. Arizona is a very good state for me, Deborah. I'm um, going down there for work way back in the 2000s, mainly to the Phoenix area. I have a lot of positive uh, experience there, although there was one horrible, horrible experience in Phoenix, which then ended up made you know caused me to quit a job that I had. But I know my way around Phoenix quite a bit, and the only time I've been in Flagstaff, Arizona, was way back in. March of 98, uh, it was even before I moved to Las Vegas, I uh, was on a, my brother Brian, who lived out west at the time, had a conversion van, an older conversion van, and we, I flew up there, and we just cruised around in his van, and we went to the Grand Canyon and all over the southwest. And we didn't stop in Flagstaff, but we drove through Flagstaff. And I can still remember that it was one degree above zero when we went through there. And it's the only time I've been to Flagstaff, Arizona. But it, uh, I, it is beautiful, Deborah. but it was very, very cold. And Richard, thank you for the birthday wishes. Thank you very much. Thank you. So I would like to go out there and play... Uh, and see what those courses are like there in Arizona. Moving on, uh, what I forgot to mention last Monday is that uh, I had a dentist appointment on, um, when was it? That next morning. And it was just a cleaning. But I continue to, I'm, I'm not, I don't necessarily have any 
uh, teeth problems now, certainly the amount of money that I spent last year that I'm continuing to pay on now. <laughs> but um, I've, you know, be, I finally made the conversion to an electric toothbrush within the past week. Uh, the uh, dental hygienist recommended that to me. I continue to have issues with like my back bottom teeth. And you know how they do that number thing? You know, they take that little gauge or whatever and they go around and poke down in your gums to see how far they can poke down in there or whatever. I'm sure there's some name for it or something. But continually, these these back molars on the bottom continue to have numbers that uh, are a little too high. And she recommended, I think it's about time you move to an electric toothbrush because we're just not, you're just not getting enough action back there way, way, way in the back and everything. So um, I've gone to an electric toothbrush and it's, uh, and it's an experience. So, um, you know, I don't have any cavities. This, you know, this uh, root canal that I had 20 over 20 years ago, it's a little sensitive. Uh, you just have to watch, especially if you're in like popcorn or something. Um, you know, I find myself now favoring like the right side of my mouth. Doesn't hurt or anything, but just a little weird. So, but uh, next time I go will be in October. And unfortunately at that point, I'm due for another checkup. And wouldn't you know that that's when this dental loan that I've been paying on is going to run out. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, you know, you have one of those no interest loans that you can get if you get like expensive uh, work done. That's what I had done. That's what I did last year. And that monthly amount that I've been pl- paying is going to be going away. So I'm not looking to get into any more dental payments. Okay. So, We'll see what happens in October, but I can chew on all my teeth, no pain or anything. I certainly think that the work I got done last year is good, but I just have to, uh, these bottom two molars way in the back, uh, maybe, uh, are not as good as the other teeth. The, the, the tooth is fine, but it seems more and more that the the gum is getting you know getting looser and looser around that those teeth. I think that's what they're telling me. So there you go. Uh, what's everybody saying? Uh, thank uh, Freddie, you and your little funny. Thank you, little. What is that? A fox or something? Freddie, you are generous. Thank you so much for the super chat contribution. Thank you. And DLV says I visited Sedona in '95, a mystical experience I'll never forget. I've never been to Sedona. Christy, thank you. Hello, gang. Stay, thank you for the birthday wishes. Uh, my mom's birthday would have been tomorrow. I'm sorry that your mother is no longer with us, Kentucky. That makes me sad. Uh, a good friend of mine from Las Vegas, his name is George. His birthday is tomorrow. In fact, he was born one day after I was. August 1st, 1970 for me. August 2nd, 1970 for him. And, uh, yes, everybody's talking about Sedona now. Okay. Moving on. Uh, what I've, one of the things I've been doing, uh, when I'm doing unfound work, doing any research or something, 
um, you know, or putting together an interview outline, whatever. I've been playing all the Seinfeld episodes on Netflix now that I have the smart TV back there. And it, it's fantastic. I think I've seen every episode, but when you get to watch them like in order from the first ones, and I think I'm in season four now, maybe. I think season four, you can see why it's it's rated like one of the best sitcoms in the history of television. You know, when you sit down and there's no commercials, you know, to break things up and, you know, it's all runs basically at one time. Um, it really is fantastic. And the weird thing is when Seinfeld was actually on TV, the new episodes, I never watched it. In fact, I would say that about Friends, too. I've seen every Friends episode now. I never watched that either when it was playing in primetime new episodes. It wasn't until it started into reruns that I started watching it. Same way with Seinfeld. Why? I don't know. But that's what I've been um, taking in, and uh, it is funny. It It is still funny. I don't know if maybe it's just because uh, – you know, I'm from that generation, Generation X, or the the generation before me, Baby Boomers. I don't know if the Millennials and Generation Z watch it and find it funny. I have no idea. But all that stuff certainly does ring true to me being a, a Gen X guy born right smack in the middle of that generation. So uh, good stuff. And so I'm on season, I think, early of season number four. I think there are nine seasons. Eight seasons, nine seasons. And so I will watch it until all of them are done. And maybe I'll just start from the beginning and watch them all over again. So that's something I've been doing uh, where, you know, I watch it when I, you know, when I do any writing, like for the blog or, or something like that, the newsletter can't have anything on. It needs to be quiet. But if I am... Uh, you know, it just depends on the work that I'm doing for Unfound and, and what's going on, but I will have it on while I'm, you know, maybe I'm, so, I'm on some database and I'm doing a search for somebody's criminal record or something like that. That's things like that is when I usually have the TV on. Cause then it's too quiet when I'm sitting there, but I'm not doing any typing or anything. Then it gets to be too quiet. So I need to find a happy medium. And one more thing, uh, as far as personal stuff goes, uh, that, oh, uh, DLV says, I watch Seinfeld with dinner every night. It's a ritual for me. I think that's the same way with my dad, uh, DLV, that he likes running, watching the, the reruns on regular TV as well. Yeah. Uh, last thing, uh, now that I'm turning 52, I really think that I have to devote uh, a little more time to working out. Um. This today, eating pizza and some other things. Probably going to be the last day of doing that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, maybe it kind of just caught my attention when I was down at Estero. And like I said, like a week and a half ago, and just kind of feeling a little out of it or out there. But kind of just got me, you know what, I need to get back to going to the gym, which is on the second floor of this building, and getting on the treadmill a little bit. It's it's about time that 
uh, I start doing that again. So I'm going to have to make some time for that. And just to make sure that um, you know, we don't want to, Ed, you don't want to let yourself go. So that's another uh, part of turning 52. It's a resolution that I am making. All right. So that's all the personal stuff. And uh, it took a little longer than usual, but it is my birthday. So I can do that. Once again, I want to thank everybody so far who has been very generous with the super chat button. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you so much on my birthday. Jasmine says, you can't cheat on your birthday and don't beat yourself up. Not going to beat myself up today, Jasmine, but I may beat myself up tomorrow. But um, so there you go. Uh, while we're on the topic, maybe I should just get this ta- uh, this question out of the way since it's, uh, it's a, uh, it is a uh, personal uh, question. And uh, Paul had sent me the the question of, you know, what is your favorite uh, birthday memory? And Paula, thank you for that. And I, I think Paula is in here. Um, you know, I, I will have to admit a lot of my birthdays run together because – you know, a lot of these birthdays I spent on my own, like working. And then there were several years where I would make it a point to fly back to Pennsylvania late July into August. And then my mother could hold like a birthday party for me and everybody would show up. She'd have a cake. Everybody would get together, be like some big family reunion. So a lot of those kind of run together. I'm just going to be honest. But the one that jumps out to me because it was so unique is my birthday when I turned 30, which would have been August 1st, 2000. And what happened was that when I, this is when I was working at Star Trek that we would have a meeting um, before the day began. The, the, the attraction opened at 11. And so like a quarter till 11, we, the requirement was that we all had to be in our uniforms and be ready, you know, to go to work. And then we would have a meeting, anything that's going on, anything that's broken down and things that are upcoming, we would have this um, meeting beforehand. And it used to be, now later it, we just had it downstairs where everybody got dressed like in the break room. But it used to be when I first got there that we would have the meeting up on one of the bridges. We actually had two bridges in the attraction. And I can remember on working that day on my birthday, August 1st, 2000, and the rest of the crew sang birth, sang happy birth to me, day to me on the bridge of the Enterprise. And that was a very special day. And it was I think it was especially special if that's what if put those two words together because, you know, I don't, I had only been working there maybe two months. I had started at the beginning uh, or at the end of May of 2000. So I'd only been there a couple months. And all of these people sang happy birthday to me uh, on the bridge of the enterprise. It was fantastic. I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. 
And in fact, as I was thinking about this today, I even said, I think it was a Tuesday. Because I worked back then, I worked five days a week. I worked Tuesday through Saturday and I had Sundays and Mondays off. And it was the day that I came back to work after two days off would have been that Tuesday. And I was right. August 1st, 2000 was a Tuesday. So that probably is, um, you know, that is uh, the birthday that sticks out uh, to me. Coffee, you are very generous with the super chat. Thank you so much, coffee lover. And there's Hope. Happy birthday. Just had my birthday and cheated a bit with too much cake and ice cream. Sometimes you just got to do it. I'm 55 and my 50s have been the best so far. Well, I hope I continue to take after you. There's Hope. Can't do much with the ice cream because I always uh, I worry about uh, my lactose intolerance kicking up. But certainly with the cake, I can do the cake. So there's Hope. Thank you for your generous super jack contribution uh tonight thank you so much all right let's move to the true crime stuff we about an hour and 15 minutes to go uh the brewster poll belinda brewster this is this past friday's episode not an episode where there were a ton of facts that's just the way it's going to be in that uh type of situation we we haven't run into that situation a lot. You know, that doesn't dissuade me from covering a disappearance. Maybe we, we, we sit around here for a little bit. We could name some other disappearance that we've covered where the facts, uh, there weren't many to talk about, but we covered the disappearance anyway. And that's what the way Belinda's was. I thought that her daughter, Yukia, did a fantastic job, even once again, even though there weren't a lot of facts to discuss. But still, in the discussion group, I had posted the poll on Saturday morning asking, well, what do you think happened to Belinda Brewster? And in the discussion group, uh, the most popular answer was that Billy Booker, Belinda's husband at the time, who seemingly wanted to divorce her, uh, caused her disappearance. And that that uh, choice was uh, you know, easily the most popular, easily the most popular. Some other people picked, you know, she had a drug issue or overdose, and yes, she hasn't been found. But the most popular choice was that Billy did it. In the think tank, uh, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, if you'd like to join. We've had some new uh, people who have joined in the the think tank so far uh, this summer. Uh, Very happy to see that. But if you'd like to be part of the think tank, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, where we discuss Belinda's disappearance, it was a little more mixed. Um, a little more mixed in that it, uh, it was split, you know, was it 50 50? No. But it was more like 60 40. 60% of the people thought that Billy had something to do with it, then 40% thought, something else Uh, drugs caused it or maybe even some third party uh, caused her disappearance being that is believed that uh, you know, she might've been involved in prostitution or something. So it was like 60, 40, almost 50, 50, but probably closer to 60, 40. And then for me with the Patreon blog, this is a blog that I write every week. And uh, I devote at least 3,000 words to talking about that disappearance. And sometimes when you have a 
disappearance like Belinda's where there's a lot of lot, there aren't a lot of facts to analyze. Try to then incorporate some theory into all of it and try to come to the best conclusion that I can, even though there are not a lot of facts to analyze. And I have to tell you that I eventually came to the uh, conclusion that Billy caused her disappearance as well. I think the main factor for me was that what are the odds? You know, she's living this very high risk lifestyle going away for days at a time and showing up back again. And we, we've talked about many people like this on unfound, but then just at the same time that she gets served these divorce papers, she disappears. That is hard to ignore. No facts to support that, that Billy did it, but um, that's the best I could do. Uh, Yukio and I will continue to try to reach out to this lawyer, whose name I'm still not uh, releasing uh, to the to the general public, even though uh, I have to admit that in the think tank last night, I did uh, tell those members her name in case any of them wanted to keep tabs. But uh, I still think that she is the uh, the best lead, and it's not just the best lead. I think it's a very, fairly good lead. I think it is. So being that she's still out there, she's still alive, um, still hoping that somehow she will find it in her heart and mind to uh, get back to me, get back to Yukio, and just answer the questions. So I, even though there's not a lot of facts in Belinda's disappearance, really there is still a, a very good lead out there, surprisingly. So we'll see how it goes. All right, moving on. Uh, I already you know talked about uh, it a little earlier. Uh, I had this Zoom meeting with the production company, this company that's putting together what is going to end up being a short series it's going to be more than one episode, but let's just say probably less less than seven of um, they uh, want to make a series regarding Janelle Matthews's murder. And I think uh, most of you know, many of you know that I've been um, working with this company. They first uh, sent me an email Back when I was at my dad's in late January, and coincidentally, this is also when Spotify first contacted me. In fact, I think I got these emails within a couple of days of each other. But um, they're continuing to work on it. You know, of course, the issue is that there's going to be another trial, and I think it's going to happen in October, just like the one last year did. And this kind of complicates putting it all together. Uh, it's it's probably not the best idea to come out with a series regarding uh, Janelle's murder when there's still another trial that's going to ha be happening. In addition, when you have another trial coming up, some of the people that this company would like to talk to aren't going to talk because they will once again be... Uh, they will once again be re required to go up on the stand and answer questions from the, both the prosecution and the defense. Uh, so 
they may worry, well, you know, if I start talking to some production company and then they're going to record me and then this thing's going to come out and the lawyer's going to find out that I did this and, you know, what is this all going to mean to, for me? Uh, this can make it very, you know, quite difficult for a production company to get anybody to cooperate. Now, you may say, but Ed, you're working with them. You're talking with them. Well, that's true. But I I have to tell you, I don't put myself in the same category as, as these other people. For example, Janelle's parents or Steve's uh, ex-wife. I am surely not in that category of witness. Uh, I wasn't in Greeley, Colorado in 1984. I didn't know Janelle. I don't even really consider myself to know Steve, even though I interviewed him. I don't have any inside knowledge uh, of anything regarding Janelle's murder. I, of course, wasn't there to see anything, hear anything, or anything like that. And in fact, the way I look at the first time going out there last year is that was I really a witness? Not really. Uh, the reason I was there is because I did this interview with Steve and the prosecution thought it was important. And I was there to represent the interview and to, of course, authenticate the interview and everything that is said in it. Um, so neither side, I don't think the prosecution or the defense was too interested in me outside of that. And given that that the prosecution, you know, just asked me questions about the interview. Maybe they asked me a little question about myself, but maybe just for the jury to understand or something. And then the defense, I think they asked me two questions. The, I, the uh, transcripts are there on uh, the website, theunfoundpodcast.com, if you'd like to see what I said on the stand. Being that that's the way uh, I thought about the work that I did there, that so when this production company contacted me, I'm like, you know, I just don't think it's a you know a big deal if I do this. Whereas I could certainly see the big deal if some of these other people were asked, and they might say, well, maybe not. Especially anybody who was around Steve at the time, anybody who was around Janelle at the time. Anybody, of course, any of the, of the investigators who worked on the case throughout the years, they are all certainly different than me. Anybody who had any interaction with Steve one-on-one -on -one in person over the years where he might have said some crazy stuff, which he did, certainly those people would be much more important than me. On top of the fact that, as you all know, anybody who has, who followed the trial, the first trial – that Steve ended up coming out and saying some of the things he said in the interview with me with lies were lies anyway. And I got to tell you, I, I'm not that surprised. I did my best. But never would I have uh, told anybody, oh, yeah, I think Steve told me the absolute 100% truth when I interviewed him. I tried to nail him down on things as well as I could. But being that I wasn't there and a lot of things are unknown and everything, you know, he had the ability to spin some yarns, and that's what he did. And then he absolutely admitted that uh, on the stand. So this is why I continue to say that, you know, when you, you just watch. 
I'm going to say this and like tomorrow I'm going to get an email, but I'm going to say this on my birthday, August 1st, 2022. I have sincere doubts whether I will be required to go out to Greeley, Colorado and do that all over again. I will be surprised. Of course, I was surprised the first time around. If I'm required to do so, I will do so. And I will handle it the same way I did the first time. Very seriously, very businesslike, very professional, even though I'm kind of uh, tongue-in-cheeking it right now. Uh, But I will be just as honest and sincere and truthful and everything else as I was the first time. And I'd love to go back there. It was, was it a good time? I was nervous, but it was a part of the country I'd never been to before. The accommodations were spectacular. I got to see Charles and his sons. We had a great time. Um, it was an experience. And so I'm not going to certainly resist doing that again. If they think that I can be helpful, then I will be there. But obviously, uh, the tactics they used the first time around didn't work, and I was part of those tactics. So I don't think it's crazy for me to think they might try something different this time, and I won't be included. Myself and the interview won't be included. That would not surprise me at all. Jamie uh, says, happy birthday, and thank you for all your work, Jamie. You are very kind. Thank you, and I enjoy doing my work. And thank you for your generous Super Chat contribution on my birthday. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you. Moving on, um, let's move on to this. I'm going to skip that topic and move on to this one. And that would be Tyler North. I think many of you know uh, the disappearance of Tyler North. This is a disappearance I think we covered in maybe 2020. And it was Tyler's sister who was the guest. And if you may remember that Tyler disappeared after being at her house Everybody thought he was going directly home and everybody found out later that he was meeting his ex-wife in a park and then he went missing. You may also remember that, uh, I don't know, over a year ago and now I think that his ex-wife and her boyfriend, who was a former sheriff's deputy, have been charged with Tyler's murder. And that Tyler's vehicle, his truck, was eventually found burned out not long after he went missing. And I've used Tyler's murder as an example, a very, very good example of luring when I've spoken to uh, criminal justice majors about these different types of disappearances and what they mean. Tyler North's is a very good example of luring, especially since people have been charged. And we have a very good handle on what happened that night. Well, wouldn't you know that a third person has now popped up as being uh, being charged with uh, crimes involving Tyler's murder. And this guy's name, this uh, was a local who, who sent me this information just within this past week. And I did post uh, a picture of this guy with the charges in the unfound discussion group on Facebook. And his name is Joseph Morgan. I've never heard his name before. I do not believe that his name was mentioned at all in the interview that I did with Tyler's sister. Whether she knew about it at the time or withheld something, I have no idea, but this name is not familiar to me at all. But he has been charged with abuse of a corpse and tampering with evidence. Now, this local also sent me a picture, you know, kind of explaining what she thinks 
is going on with this. And it turns out that if you will remember, once Tyler's ex-wife and her boyfriend were charged, that it came out that some remains were found somewhere. And we know that it took some time to identify those remains as Tyler's. As we know, DNA sometimes takes a lot longer than we think it should. But those remains were eventually determined by DNA tests to be Tyler's. What turns out that these remains were found like right behind where Joseph Morgan lives. And in fact, the picture that was shown to me maybe within 500 feet, maybe a little farther than that, maybe, you know, a couple of football fields or something like that. And his house or trailer kind of sits down at the bottom of this hill. And it, my perception is that Tyler's remains were found like at the top of this hill, how they were found. I still don't know, but it very well could be that when these remains were found, the police started thinking, well, why was this location picked? And my guess is maybe they started nebbing around with anybody who lived in the area and they came across this Joseph Morgan guy and maybe that generated some inquiries and searching around. And of course, it's been a while since the ex-wife and the boyfriend were charged. So something's going on here. Maybe that the police determined that uh, the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend, or the boyfriend of the ex-wife couldn't have put these those remains there all by himself. And they'd maybe thought that the ex-wife wasn't strong enough or something to do this and thought, well, the, the boyfriend must have had some help. And that's maybe when Joseph Morgan came into the picture. I really don't know. This is totally conjecture. But uh, he is now part of all of this. Uh, like I have to say it's unexpected. And I guess we now then must be open to the idea that others might be named too. I still don't have a, a, a trial date for uh, when all of this is going to happen. It could be this year. It could be next year. I really don't know. So I guess we'll see. Maybe there's time for other people to be named as co-defendants or something, but you know, looking at the charges, there's no charge of murder or anything like that. My guess is um, tampering with evidence and abuse of a corpse are a little more serious than a fine. But uh, I guess especially when it might be in the course of a murder. So we'll just have to see. So that is some Tyler North news, something that... I have to admit, I did not predict or could have suspected. I thought that the next time we would be talking about Tyler North's murder is when the trial happened. I guess I was wrong. Moving on, uh, the next Unfound Now has been done. It's been produced. I recorded it on Saturday. And uh, my assistant, Cherie, who is also the moderator for this live show, uh, looked it over and make sure that uh, it's good. I didn't embarrass myself. I always like somebody to, ch I always get Cherie to uh, check these unfound nows before I release them uh, to the public. But uh, the only people who are getting to view the next unfound now are those people who are members of this channel. And that is, that is everything to do with this button right below the screen, the join button. If you are, are a member here and you can see some of the people 
in the chat room who are members. They all have uh, their names in green. Maybe some of you should think about getting your name in green as well. Those people are already getting to uh, see this unfound now. And for the rest of you, you will just have to wait uh, till like this coming weekend, maybe Saturday or Sunday before I release it to the general public. But I will, I will tell you this, that um, this is the disappearance of Dana Smithers. So you maybe want to start looking that up. And uh, before you get to watch the unfound now that uh, will be released to the general public this coming weekend, had a couple different ways I could have gone uh, this month. And maybe you haven't noticed, I try to go back and forth, male, female, male, female, male, female. I've been trying to do that. And last month's with was Dylan Rounds. He's still uh, not been found, by the way, despite everybody being so sure of what they think happened. <clears throat> but so it was this month uh, I wanted to go with a woman's disappearance. And Dana's really jumped out at me after looking over a few. I was going to uh, make the unfound now the the woman who uh, went missing in, in Texas recently, but then her remains were found. So, and I her, I didn't write her name down here. So, um, so I had to start looking up some other di- recent disappearances of women, and I came across Dana's. This is uh, how long is this? Uh, it's probably, you know, these unfound nouns usually get close to 40 minutes. Dylan Rounds was a lot longer than the rest of them for obvious reasons. But Dana's, I don't know, uh, 38 minutes, 40 minutes, something like that. And it's the usual uh, format. I talk a little few minutes, like three or four minutes, setting everything up. We go to the map video. I go over some facts while showing you some important locations. And then... Um, come back and then I talk to the camera again about the learning points and theories and things that I think people can learn from that particular disappearance and then apply those ideas to other disappearances. And I, of course, at the end, just do a little bit of analysis, uh, some insights, some theories, some opinion at the end. Uh, Sheree says, Chrissy Powell. Yes. Christina Powell was uh, the woman who went missing. She was allegedly late for work, and she never did end up at at work. She and her vehicle were found, and um, it doesn't look like there was any foul play there. You know, very sad. uh, And Sheree's also saying, being that she has gotten to see the most recent Unfound Now, she says, uh, that's great coverage. Thank you, Sheree. And yes, with Dana's, uh, there is some map, analysis to do just looking at where she lived where the neighbor was that she went down to talk to and where she was earlier in the day not as big a map analysis or as long analysis like with dylan rounds of course but it was worth doing all right moving on uh newsletter of course this is the first of the month the newsletter is done i just haven't emailed it yet so after this uh Live show for August 1st, 2022 is done at approximately 11 o'clock Eastern. I will finish up and I will send that out to all of you. uh, So you can read what I have to say uh, for this month. I think it's about 3,400 words. And uh, I talk a little bit about 
why it is, especially if you uh, read the newsletters, you know, in depth every month. I hope you do. That why is it that some of the disappearances of fear uh, appear on the like others that we're working on, and then it seems some of those don't ever end up becoming episodes. I kind of go through why that happens. So that's the first part, and then I get into some other things. And then before I'm done, I talk about turning 52 and just, I don't know if it's some inspiration, but just some of my advice, my experience over my uh, 52 years. And, you know, just it, it kind of comes from the heart. I think that um, I think I'm revealing uh, some things about myself, some things about how I view myself and how I have viewed myself. And uh, I think you'll find that interesting. And that is at the end of the newsletter. Uh, speaking of, you know, what's going to be going on uh, the rest of this month. Of course, we have uh, an episode for this Friday. The interview's already been done. Uh, this Friday's episode's going to be a bit long. Uh, maybe more in the unfound tradition. We know that last week, Belinda's disappearance kind of a shorter episode, whereas Chase Lackey's was certainly long. But this Friday's, uh, we're going out on the, I'm not going to get into it right at this second. We'll, I'll talk about it at the end, but we're going out on the water again, seemingly. But I pretty much have uh, interviews lined up for the episodes uh, for the 12th and the 19th. And then uh, August 26th, is going to be the next update episode. Yes, we're already to that again. Uh, I think it's update episode number 12. I think maybe 13, somewhere in there. And then, uh, as I've already done, always done, uh, September 2nd, the first Friday of every September, is recognized as the anniversary of Unfound. We'll be celebrating the sixth anniversary and that will come out on September 2nd. And then I anticipate um, on September 9th, which will be the next Friday, I think I already know what disappearance will be for that date as well. So um, I guess what I'm saying is uh, I've been working hard <laughs> this summer. Uh, I was very proud of myself being able to get as much work as I did done while I was out of town for those 10 days, I was able to get some interviews done, able to do the live show and the think tank and all of it. I felt for very fortunate to be able to do this. And I really, really thank my friend Dave and how I had my own bedroom at his place and a very convenient place to work. It's fantastic. Um, so that certainly helped, but it seems kind of like this this uh, summer for some reason just been able to work ahead a little more a little easier than has usually been the situation why that is i'm not sure but um i'm telling you nothing gets me more stressed out than not having an interview for the next episode <laughs> it's the only thing that stresses me out about doing this podcast and it just seems that we've been running into um, a lot of, you know, very uh, willing people, very, uh, you know, ready to talk, very transparent, very uh, energetic. Uh, we've been very fortunate 
with that this summer. And I'm not saying it has anything to do with me. It may just be the type of people that they are. They're ready to talk. They see the importance of doing this. And you know me, I'm always ready to talk. So um, it very well could be a couple months from now that, um, you know, we go through a spell where it's, it's once again hard to track down people or something like that. You never know what can happen. And certainly once... You know, when we do get around, uh, you know, December holiday time, that is pretty, I think we've done pretty well with that over the, the, the past five years, however long Unfound has been around. But, you know, that can get difficult to, um, you know, to get people to talk about disappearance. You know, it's a, it's a festive time. You know, they have to be in a, you know, in a certain mood to be able to talk about a disappearance that has affected them, you know, horribly. So, um, you know, I think that will always be the situation, no matter how long Unfound exists for the next 30 years. It's probably always going to be the situation. But um, all I can tell you is this summer... um, as far as reaching out to people and people responding and even people coming to me, coming to one of my assistants out of nowhere, that's been going on this summer, uh, maybe more than ever. So um, it's, uh, you know, we're ready to talk to whoever wants to talk. Um, Stitching says, hey, Ed, sorry, was looking over Summer Wells' case. BS, well, Stitching, uh, what's the deal? Hey, Stitching, you got you got stuff to do? Then do it. It's okay. Marlene, hello, everyone. Happy birthday. Thank you, Marlene. Look at all those emojis. Wow. And she said, I had to borrow headphones. Well, what happened to your headphones, Marlene? Had to borrow only one side works getting new ones tomorrow. Something happened to your headphones. Sorry to hear that, Marlene. Okay. And one more thing before I get into uh, some other pieces of business that uh, – really have nothing to do with unfound, but they're true crime items, missing persons items, some other things that I want to talk about. Um, I'm sure many of you saw, especially if you're in the discussion group on Facebook, that there was this young man who was found in New York city in the Bronx area who uh, was unidentified and somehow it just got out there. Could this be Jason Landry? Now, if you'll remember, and maybe many of you forget this, you have to have to be clear on something. Jason's disappearance has never been an official uh, Friday episode. And being that I was just talking about Unfound now, Jason Landry, as far as Unfound goes, his disappearance was first talked about in an Unfound Now, and that was one I did in January of 2021. It was not an official... Friday episode. It was an unfound now episode uh, in early 2021. And I think it must have been about the sixth or seventh episode of unfound. Now we're all now to 20 We're now to like 25 or something. And then what happened from there, if you'll remember that John Lorden friend of the program ended up covering Jason's uh, disappearance and had his father on. And then John and I add did a, episode together technically him hosting it where uh jason's father was on and 
John asked a lot of questions. I got to ask a few questions and then an interview played on both of our channels, his on YouTube and mine on, you know, when I used to be on Podomatic and elsewhere. But somehow it came out that this guy, this young man who was found uh, uh, unconscious or something happened to him, was he attacked or whatever, you know, could he be Jason Landry? And when I saw it, I'm, I'm of course thinking, man, that would be certainly something. I mean, Jason goes missing in Texas and he's found passed out in New York City. Now that's story. And I would certainly, uh, wow, I'd be like, well, how did that happen? And I, I would want to know all the details. And I'd be certainly ecstatic that he was found, that he's found alive. Great news. Great news. But I, of course, from the other part of me, I'm looking to find out the details because then I start thinking, you know, how can this happen? How can I apply this other disappearances? Is this possible in other disappearances? But I also have to be honest about this. As soon as I saw the picture of this unconscious young man in, in New York City, they had a picture of him like in the hospital with, you know, one of those masks over his face and whatever. I looked at him. I said, that's not Jason Landry. And it turns out that I was right, that it's not Jason Landry. They, uh, they have positively uh, identified him. I don't know all the details of why he was in the state that he was in, but it's not Jason. But as soon as I saw the pictures of him, I was like, I don't think that's Jason. Uh, my impression in looking at the picture is this young man in New York City, I'm not saying he does. But he seemed to have um, seemed to have some Asian qualities to his appearance. Not saying he was one hundred percent Asian, but he seemed to have a, a little bit of that, maybe part. And of course, you look at Jason, and he does not have those features. So I was like, "This is this is not Jason. This is somebody else." I'm happy for the family. I don't know what happened, but. This missing young man, he's found, I hope he's going to be, I hope he's going to fully recover from whatever happened to him. And if he has issues going on in his life, I hope he gets them all figured out. And I hope he lives a long, happy life, but he's not Jason Landry. Now, but on that topic, um, we have to realize that Maybe it wouldn't have been so crazy to think that Jason disappeared from Texas and ended up in New York City. Now, why do I say that? Now, we have to understand this is very, 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 very rare. But uh, you know, all know Heather Grotman, right? Uh, the woman who writes at the lostandfoundblogs.com. You know, she's been on Unfound several times. I greatly respect her work. And that's why she's on unfound and uh she has been on uh a few times uh an episode that comes to me of course most recently was the the father and son uh the wacker hagens who disappeared remember uh, heather was i think that might have been back in march that she was on 
but she has two blogs that she has written on her website over the last couple years where people disappeared in one state and then were found several states away. And the first one was David Glenn Lewis, who disappeared on Super Bowl Sunday. I forgot, I didn't write the year down here. But then he disappeared right at, like somewhere during the beginning of the Super Bowl. He was there home by himself. He was eventually found, I think, in Oregon or the state of Washington. So he's in Texas, is found in Oregon or Washington like 48 hours later or something. And here he had been walking on the road and got hit by a car and died. How we got to uh, that's the either one of those states, nobody seems to know. What was he doing? Nobody seems to know. Why did he do it? Nobody seems to know. But this is a situation uh, like that, um, that uh, David Glenn Lewis went missing from Texas, found 1,500 miles away. And because he got killed after getting hit by this car, we never will know um, what happened. The other... Uh, entry you might want to check out at Heather's website that kind of you know goes along with this idea. Well, the person was here, but then this person is found thousand miles away. Is Judy Smith, who I think she was from North Carolina, and she went to New York City with her husband for some conference that he had, and then she went missing, and she was eventually found. Was it in New Jersey or Virginia or something? And really no explanation of how she got there. So maybe it's not totally, totally, totally insane crazy to think that that could have been Jason Landry in New York City. Of course, it have been very rare. But there are documented uh, disappearances where a missing person has been found a thousand miles away. You understand, very rare. But if Heather Grotman can find two of them, I'm sure there are many more like that. So if you're not familiar with David Glenn Lewis's disappearance or Judy Smith's disappearance and how that could have been related to Jason's disappearance, uh, I would suggest you go to the lostandfoundblogs.com, find those entries and read them. I think you'll find them uh, certainly worth your time. Uh, what's everybody saying here? Everybody's uh, stitching and Jasmine, Marlon, ice screaming, Marlene. Yes, saw the guy in the hospital in New York. They thought it might be Jason. It didn't look like him, so Marlene agrees with me. Stephanie wishing me a happy birthday. Thank you, Stephanie. Kathy, Marlene, I agree. The guy in New York is part Asian. My two grown kids are half Filipino, so Kathy would kind of know about that. And then MT is adding in David Lewis. I uh, was found in Washington State. I think it was 1993. Thank you for um, being very precise on that MT. So I was right. The state of Washington, uh, once again, just 48 hours after he disappeared from Texas. How did he get there that quickly? Don't know. I don't think they were ever to prove that he ever gone on a jet or rented a car or hitchhiked. And who knows what was going through his mind regarding all this and why he was walking down uh, this road in the middle of the road and got hit. Nobody seems to know. And we'll probably never know. All right. So let's move on to this. I want to talk about this. Uh, you know me. You know that like plane incidents and accidents and crashes and things always catch my attention. 
It's the very reason that we covered Ben Charles Padilla's disappearance, one of the first episodes ever on Unfound. It's the only time that Unfound so far has gone to Africa. It's also the reason that we covered Flight 370's disappearance in the summer of 2017. Well, you might have seen this story about this guy who allegedly jumped out of a plane. He was the co-pilot or fell out of a plane. Did you all see this? And I'm here to tell you that is not what happened. That is not what happened. And there is a channel. Some of you always ask me, some of you have asked me in the past, Ed, when you're not doing Unfound, what do you listen to? What do you watch? And there is a channel that I watch on YouTube. It's called the Blanco Lirio channel. Yes, really. B-L-A-N-C-O-L-I-R-I-O. And this guy is a is an airline pilot, I think, for either American or United. He does sometimes he does his uh, videos from London and Hong Kong and everywhere else. But he also covers um, incidents, planes crashing. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Uh, seems to be a great guy, very complete, knows what he's talking about. And he kind of goes through what he believes happened with this co-pilot of this, this uh, what was essentially a, a parachute jumping plane. Why did this one guy, there were two guys, a pilot and a co-pilot in this plane. Why did one of them end up on the ground dead? And so this is how uh, the media in not understanding something gets it so wrong. And I, I, of course, notice this when it comes to disappearances. And this is one of those reasons that I do unfound now because... You know, what I'm trying to show is how often the media gets these disappearances wrong. There's a lot of incomplete information. Many times the way the stories are written, it, it, it may mislead you as to what actually happened. I'm not saying they're doing this on purpose. What I'm saying is that being that they don't have a full understanding, for example, about disappearances, then they don't write things the right way. Well, um, this is, I think, what's going on with this incident as well. Now, here is what uh, his name is Juan Brown, the guy that hosts this Blanco Lirio channel. Here's, although he didn't come right out and say it, say it, say it, say it, say it for sure, but here's what he thinks happened, if I can put it in my own words, is that what had happened is that this pilot and co pilot were in this plane. And it's predominantly this plane is used for parachutists, you know, air jumpers, sky jumpers. And it has this, the back of the plane uh, has a part that kind of goes down like a ramp. So instead, a lot of times when you see parachute planes, you see people jumping out the side. Well, in this particular plane, you actually just jump right out the back, which I, to me seems safer. And that's the way they do it in the military. You know, they have some of these C-130s or whatever. The back of them, you know, comes down and everybody just goes out the back. You don't have to worry about hitting a wing or hitting a propeller or anything. It's just straight out the back. It's the safest way to do it. Well, this is that type of plane, but it's a lot smaller. 
Well, what happened was they were just practicing. They were doing what is called touching goes, practicing takeoffs and landings. And after this one takeoff, what they discovered is that, and then I think they were coming around to land again, one of the landing gear was not down. So the nose landing gear was down. The left gear was landing uh, was down. But the right gear, according to their sensors, everything in the cockpit, had got not come down. It was still like up in its well. So if they were to land, of course, you can land. It's it's a bit dangerous, but any skilled pilot, I think, would be able to put it on the ground and it would scrape. And maybe that side of the plane might get a little messed up, messed up. But that's about it. But I think what Blanca Lirio thinks happened was that when that other wheel didn't come down, the co-pilot, I don't know if he volunteered or the pilot asked him to do that. We don't know. What you can do is you can drop that ramp on the back of the plane and somebody can actually go out to the back of the plane and look out to see if that landing gear is down. So I think what I'm saying is maybe they were looking at this warning light that the landing gear wasn't down and they might've thought, you know, I I don't know whether I'm supposed to believe this, um, you know, this light or not. So the co-pilot was going to go back there and just to check. And so he gets out of his seat, goes to the back of the plane. Like I said, this plane is not very big. It's I mean, if you've flown on your average jetliner, this plane is way smaller than that. Way smaller. So Blanca Lira, I think what happened, thinks what happened is, so the pilot lowers that back part, so it's just an open space. And the pilot, the co-pilot goes back there, and he's not strapped to anything. And, you know, you get into turbulence, you know, it can get a little bumpy back there. And what I think Blanca Lira, Juan Brown thinks happened, and I, I've been watching this channel for years, knowledgeable guy, does not really go out on a too thin of a limb on any sort of idea or theory or anything. He thinks what happens, he went back to the back of the plane, he was leaning out, out this ramp to see if he could see the, of the if whether the landing gear was down or not, and he fell out of the plane simply due to him not being strapped into anything due to the turbulence, maybe leaned out too far, hits a little air pocket, and there he went. So I'm not inclined to believe that this guy jumped out. I'm not inclined to believe that uh, this was some suicide or anything like that. I do not believe that he, you know, for some crazy reason, he jumped out of the plane because he thought the plane was going to crash. None of that. I think that this was just an accident um, due to bad luck and a a very bad choice on this guy's part. I I realize what he he was doing, he thought was the best thing to do. We're going to go back there. We're going to check this. uh, You know, seems like a, a... you know, it seems like a very smart thing to do. Maybe, you know, we have the time. It's a beautiful day. We're not in any rush. This warning light comes on. It seemed kind of, seems kind of strange. Who wouldn't have thought, you know what? Just go back there, look out there, and let's just make sure that this, you know, we're getting the right information here. I don't think anybody can question that. But 
you also have to realize that when you're going back to the back of a plane and you just have this open space back there, you know, you could slide out, you know, just about anything, anything is possible. You know, this isn't some jet airliner where, you know, the floor is carpeted and there's seats that you can maybe grab onto something. There's just nothing. It's just an empty shell because when people parachutists are in there, they're just all standing around waiting to go out the back and they have parachutes on. So they don't mind if maybe they go out there by accident. This guy didn't have a parachute on. He wasn't strapped down and it's very sad. It's very sad, but I think the way that the the articles have been written, it would lead you to believe that this guy lost his mind and jumped out of the plane. And I just don't think that's what happened. So if you've seen that story, uh, or, you know, I think that's what's gone on. And uh, if you haven't seen that story, I hope that you will look it up to see what I'm talking about. Very Obviously, as you would suspect, you don't even need to know anything about aviation to to think that, man, that sounds really, really rare and odd. It is. It is. Very sad. Um, uh, Jasmine says, I've seen that story. I think that's what you mean, Jasmine. And his family is not happy. I can understand why this dead young man, this guy was young. He was in his 20s. I can understand why his family would not be happy because the way the articles are written, it makes it sound like he committed suicide. And it doesn't sound like that's what happened. I will believe uh, Juan Brown at Blancaleria Channel before I believe anybody in the, just in the general media who doesn't know anything about these situations. Hey, Sheree, uh, look who's back. Love chat XYZ is back, Sheree. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Look at that. Okay, this is a PG program, everybody. Um, There's Hope says, um, that's a weird case about their pilot. Thanks for your input, Ed. Sounds like a valid explanation. Media can't be trusted. Like I said, there's hope. I'm not saying that they're trying to uh, start something anywhere, but, you know, as a reporter, it helps to maybe know a little bit about the topic before you actually write on it. But, uh, and I can certainly understand why the, the his family is just, you know, disgusted. Um. And Merlene and Kathy continue to have a back and forth. You two uh, keep talking. Totally fine. All right, so we got about 27 minutes left. Allow me to move on to this. And this is a disappearance that is now a year old. Uh, It's very possible that this could be an upcoming episode of Unfound. Uh, However, I'll be honest with you, I've not tried to to contact anybody in this young man's family. Uh, None of my assistants have tried to either, but it's kind of been on my radar for a while. This disappearance has gotten a lot of national attention. uh, And I'm not saying I've been following it, but now that it's, uh, you know, we've passed the uh, year anniversary of this young man's disappearance. Of course, now it becomes eligible to be on a regular podcast. So maybe we can make that happen. And that is the disappearance of Daniel Robinson. 
And uh, Jill, if you're still in here, of course, we're going back to Arizona once again. And I'm just going to read. I don't know how much of this I'm going to read, but uh, I do have um, this article entirely printed out. The father of a fledgling fledgling Arizona-based geologist who has been missing for more than a year is relentlessly seeking answers related to what has happened to his son as he says the case is not receiving the attention it deserves. Daniel Robinson was last seen when he suddenly left the Buckeye, Arizona site where he worked as a hydrogeologist just minutes after arriving on June 23, 2021. Just one day before, he sent a strange text to a woman who said she barely knew him and had tried to cut off contact. On July 19th of that year, so this is over a year ago, a rancher located Robinson's 2017 Jeep Renegade battered and rolled onto its passenger side in what was described as a ravine. Um, uh, Despite the months that have passed, Robinson's concerned family, Daniel's older brother, twin sisters, his mother and father, have had to spearhead their own quest for answers in an investigation that they feel has not been thorough enough. Now, I've not followed enough to say whether that is true or not, but I'll get into that in a moment. On June 23rd, 2022, the one-year anniversary of Robinson's disappearance, the Buckeye Police Department released a statement that touched briefly on on investigators' efforts and asked anyone with information to call 623-349-6411. When a loved one is missing, it is terrifying, confusing, and stressful time for families and our entire community. The Buckeye police statement read, investigators continue their pursuit of answers. They can bring Daniel home and provide closure for the Robinson family and the many people who have been touched by his case. David Robinson spoke with Fox News Digital for nearly 40 minutes about his continued efforts to find his son, even when he has felt as though the police or the parties involved have not given the case sufficient attention. Uh, he left his, uh, David left his home in South Carolina and moved to Arizona to continue searching for his son, the youngest of four. Let me move down here. Now, Ted Williams, uh, renowned attorney and former homicide detective. Anybody who watches Fox news, I have to be honest. I don't watch any of the news channels, but, uh, I know enough about it to know he's on there once in a while noted that police are likely doing a great deal behind the scenes. However, he said a missing person investigation changes markedly as time goes on. Not that Ted Williams would know anything about missing persons cases. Williams stressed to Fox News Digital that the case of Robinson's disappearance deserves as much attention as others have gotten. Um, No offense to the Robinson family, but I would say that Daniel's disappearance has gotten more attention than most disappearances have gotten. Um, Robinson, now 25, was not making sense on the morning of his disappearance. A co-worker told police Robinson had been to one work site and arrived at the second location in Buckeye around 9 a.m. on July 23rd. At the second work site, located one half mile west of Cactus Road and Sun Valley Parkway, Robinson was saying things that did not make sense, like asking if his co-worker wanted to go rest and then asked if he wanted to go Phoenix to rest. According to the police report, Fox News Digital. Robinson stayed at the job site for about 15 minutes before he suddenly left. His colleagues saw Daniel wave to him as as if he was waving goodbye. Daniel didn't say anything, walked over to his Jeep and drove away from the area. Daniel was last seen seen driving south on the dirt road 
from the job site. By 7 p.m., Robinson's family had gotten concerned after they heard from his coworkers and were, able, uh, were unable to get in touch with them. Um, bank records from around the time of Robinson's disappearance show he made a purchase at a Buckeye Shell service station on June 23rd. The day was last seen. He also went to a Waffle House restaurant for night for dinner the night before. Investors also created a Uconnect account for Robinson's Jeep to attempt to locate the vehicle. The Jeep's GPS location showed 0.0, and um, police also appeared to have gone back and forth with Robinson's cell phone provider and attempted to determine the device's whereabouts. The provider ultimately agreed to run a search dating back to June 21st, but said there was no location data. A remote phone search police said yielded no success. Um, in the weeks before his disappearance, Robinson had told fran- families and friends about a woman he had recently met. He told his sister he was lo- in love with this woman and ultimately made it sound as if they were in a relationship together, report states. Investigators ultimately caught up with the woman who had a different portrayal of events. The woman told police she met Robinson on the night of June 12th when he was working as an Instacart delivery worker. And of course, my qu- question is, why is a hydrogeologist also working as an Instacart delivery worker. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying uh, hydrogeologists or geologists make professional athlete money, but my insight would be that hydrogeologists make enough money where they don't have to have a side gig doing Instacart delivery work. My opinion. Uh, Daniel was the person who delivered their food that night. She said Daniel was very nice, and she and her female friend asked Daniel if he wanted to hang out with him at that time. She allegedly told police she and her friend were drunk, and she shouldn't have invited a stranger into her home. After leaving, Robinson had forgotten a canopy outside the woman's home, and the pair texted after that about him getting going to retrieve it. She responded, yes, you can pick it up whenever. I have to admit, I don't know what a canopy is. I know what a canopy is, but I don't know how it's being used in this context. But when he showed up without her permission while she was not at home, the woman grew uncomfortable, she told police. He began to text her more frequently and allegedly continued to show up unannounced. His messages to her also began to change. He said, I couldn't stop thinking about you. Uh, Can we hang out? Uh, And then hours later, he texted, I love you. He texted her the next morning. Robinson allegedly responded, asking her if she had any doubt. She never answered. He texted her again. Uh, so I think we're getting the idea with all of this. And then once again, weeks after Daniel's disappearance, a rancher spotted uh, Robinson's Jeep in a ravine three miles from the work site. And it seems that after the airbags had been deployed, the car was in drive. The driver's seatbelt appeared to have been buckled at the time. Uh, the driver's side seatbelt appeared to have been buckled at the time of the crash. And the computer said that um, after this crash, the key was turned 40, at least 40 times, trying to start the vehicle again. Even more strange, investigators recovered at the scene a pair of inside out jeans, a t shirt, two inside out socks. Uh, you know, the Jeep appeared to suffer rain damage. Okay, so. Uh, I think we have enough information at this point. Uh, you know, just to put this simply, I don't know what was going on with this young man, but 
for some reason, he certainly lost his mind. I don't know why. Um, could be anything. Could be that he was having a stroke. It could be that he was on, he was taking some illicit drugs that, um, that he shouldn't have been taking. It could be that he was on some sort of prescribed drugs and something went wrong and they were causing him to act this way. It could be a, just a good old fashioned, uh, the beginning of some mental issue. There are so many things that could explain uh, why he was acting like this. And I think what the Robinson family needs to understand um, is that this might be more common than they know. Now, also on top of everything else, who's to say that Daniel Robinson uh, didn't have some sort of head injury that nobody knew about? Certainly possible. Somewhere hits his head just enough to start things going in a bad direction, you know, continue to get worse and worse and worse and worse until that day when he disappeared. Maybe he's feeling paranoid. Uh, just you know, when, when it's the when it's the mind, there are so many uh, different possibilities. Um, so that's you know, this is what I would say to the Robinson family. I realize they want their son found. I get it. But they also have to understand my opinion, the way I read this, what I think I understand about this. I'm not sure what they want. I'm not sure what the family wants law enforcement to do at this point. This is kind of like being that we just talked about Jason Landry. It's the same thing. They've gone out and done three searches. Nothing's been found. Nothing's been found since the day Jason went missing. And, you know, his stuff's all out in the middle of the road. His car's up against the fence. And uh, went out there three times. And, you know, as you all know, searches a lot of times are not successful. I understand that the Robinson family is is frustrated, but I also think, on the other hand, they can't expect for law enforcement or anybody else to go out there every day and continue to look, 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 look. As I've said many times, if every any time a missing person went missing and the requirement was to get the dogs, the ATVs, the heat-seeking radar, the helicopters, and everything else. If that was the requirement, then every law enforcement agency in the country would be broke. Just can't afford to do it. These people don't work for free, and they shouldn't have to. I realize you get a lot of um, volunteers and everything, and that's uh, spectacular. But helicopters and ATVs, they don't run on unicorns and rainbows. So... Uh, you know, my impression is also that Daniel's disappearance has gotten at least national attention. If I know about it in Florida and this disappearance happened in Arizona, then I think it's safe to say that his disappearance is getting national attention. So I would ask the Robinson family, I know you're frustrated. I know you're depressed. I know you're worried. And I know it's been over a year. But I also know that you have to be continued. You have to be rational about all this.
And I would also tell them that at this point, I of course hope that Daniel is still alive. I think we also know that the odds of that being probable are not good. But usually at this point, when this type of disappearance occurs, the missing man or woman is usually found deceased. And unfortunately, it's usually done by luck. Somebody's out just kind of walking around and happens upon bones. Because, you know, I, I don't know. Of course, I'm not there. But it seems to me that as much has been done as is possible. And I know that's very... Uh, I realize maybe if the, the Robinson family hears this, they aren't going to be too happy with me. But you have to continue to be rational about this. Obviously, something was going on with their son. I believe this woman who says that he was acting weird. I believe these coworkers who say he was acting weird. Uh, I also can believe that if somebody else was actually driving his Jeep and wrecked it there, that this person wouldn't have tried to start it 40 times after it wrecked. They would have just said, oh, I got to get out of here. Where somebody who is acting irrationally, like it seemed Daniel was doing, the irrational thing is to try to start a vehicle after it's already on its side. And so probably he just took off, and there's no telling how far he could have gone. No telling in what direction and for how long and where. Very sad. I'm not saying give up, but I'm saying that at this point, a year after where it doesn't seem like there's foul play, there's no suspects to talk to or anything else. Sometimes this is just uh, a wait and see. If people want to go out and volunteer to look around, go ahead. But to think that the police or whoever else are going to organize searches like every day or even every week or even once a month is probably expecting too much. It just is. If there were suspects, it was something more foul play uh, with foul play, foul play possibilities. It's something different. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt. There's no foul play with this. Uh, what's everybody saying here? Um, Julie says, when is your next podcast? Well, of course, this is a podcast, Julie. It will be out tomorrow. Uh, podcasts come out every Friday, Julie, always. Always. Uh, Charlie says, even the spam wants to say happy birthday. Well, isn't the spam nice, Cherie? Um, Marlene says, I remember Ted Williams. Yeah, not not the baseball player, Ted Williams. Um, Jasmine Student Loans. Uh, uh, Cherie says, yesterday my door dasher was a biology professor at our local community college. That's just crazy, Cherie. That just does not, that just, uh, that just makes no sense to me, but what do I know? I, 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 I do podcasting for a living. So what do I know? Um, hello, tech death. What's up? What's up with you? Uh, Jill says, I know Buckeye PD is not rational. Other people going missing in that area and throwing things under the rug. That may be Jill, but I certainly don't see that going on in this disappearance. Uh, I just don't. 
Marlene and Kathy continue to have their back and forth conversation. That's totally fine. Uh, one more news item before we go to this Friday's um, disappearance. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Broward County Sheriff's Office detectives found Russell Walker dead on January 4th, 2011. The 50-year-old pilot's body had been on the floor of his home in Pompano Beach for about 10 days. Deputies believe Walker voluntarily opened the door of his home before his killer shot him nine times. I'm reminded of Ferris Bueller's day off. Nine times. We believe that the killer before fleeing shut the door so it probably wouldn't be noticed. Detectives recently described the crime as an execution-style killing. Carly Woodring, Walker's niece, is asking the public for help with solving the cold case. Time passes that can make things hard to recall. It makes you feel a certain way to come forward. But ultimately, the peace that it brings to people should be worth it, Wondering said. It would be worth it to you if, if it were your brother or son or your uncle. In 2019, when BSO's uh, Cold Case Homicide Investigations Unit was formed, detectives reopened the cold case. Scott said the evidence clearly shows Walker was not the victim of an armed robbery or burglary. There were no valuables taken. We do not believe that the suspect even entered the home. We believe that the confrontation with Mr. Walker occurred in the doorway, the front door, and he was killed there. Living with the murder mystery has been painful for Walker's family and friends. There's someone out there who shot my brother nine times, and he's gotten 11 and a half more years of life, and that's not right. And this will never be right with me. It'll always tear a hole in my heart, John Genzel said. This had to be some sort of expression of passion or anger. Walker was a U.S. Navy aviator. He flew F-14 Tomcats, which is the kind of jet that's in the original Top Gun. At the famed Top Gun School and went on to work as a pilot for American Airlines for nearly two decades. He also enjoyed boating, riding his motorcycle, hunting and skiing. We just couldn't believe it. Who doesn't like Ross? It was unbelievable, Diane, or Russ, Diane said. This has been really tough on the whole family, and we all just want to know the answer and would help our family move on. Walker's mother is 90 years old, and she doesn't want to die without getting justice for her slain son. Imagine that haunting you for 11 years, day in and day out. It's not about tattletelling on someone. It's not about being a snitch. It's about doing what's right. Detectives are asking anyone with information about the cold case to call Scott, at 954-321-4214 or call Broward County Crime Stoppers to remain anonymous at 954-493-8477. Deputies said anyone who provides information that leads to an arrest is eligible for a reward of up to $5,000. Thank you, Tech Death. Appreciate that, Jill. Oh, I think it was mental health issues, but Buckeye is unique. The Oracle just stopped in to say happy birthday. Can't stay tonight. The Oracle, thank you for stopping in. Everything, uh, what's going on? How are you? Um, thank you, Marlene. You're very care. Uh, Mayor, Mayor Star. Hey, Ed, happy birthday, dude. Thanks. All these, uh, it's, and it's almost over. Unfortunately, one hour and seven minutes more, and August 1st will be over. But getting back to this, uh, this murder of this. Guy who seemingly lived by himself. We have to remember that he was divorced, had no children. There were, uh, once again, I am, you know, we don't do murders. We suspected a lot of disappearances we cover on Unfound are murders, but this is not a murder podcast. 
But I have to tell you, there are uh, a couple things uh, that jump out to me. But I think first and foremost, let's say that this guy uh, wasn't murdered. Let's say that nobody had heard from him for 10 days and somebody went over and there was just nothing there. There were no signs of violence. The front door was locked. Somebody goes inside. Nothing's amiss. No signs of violence. No signs of burglary. Nothing broken or anything else. But his car is there and everything else. That is a certainly a harder case than finding the guy shot in his doorway like he was. And there we got uh, the, the spammer coming back. Mustn't have anything else to do tonight. But here are a few things that uh, stick out to me. Are you going to get that, uh, Cherie? Uh, put user in timeout. There we go. Here are a couple things that just caught my eye in reading this. What, what first caught my eye was how is it that he's an airline pilot, but it was 10 days before somebody noticed that he was missing. Uh, was he on a vacation? Was he on some sort of leave? Um, was somebody maybe calling in to say, oh, yeah, he's sick? And he can't make it into work today. This is unclear. Um, if this was some like 80-year-old guy, like my dad who doesn't, who is retired, and somebody doesn't hear from him to, for 10 days, maybe that's not, not crazy. Even for me, yes, maybe a podcast might get missed or a live show or something. But, you know, these these people who are in the airline industry, they have very, very set schedules because people got to get on their planes and fly places. The plane doesn't take off without the pilots up in the front. So how was it that no one missed him, missed him for 10 days? That, uh, I would want more information regarding that, why that could be possible. Uh, what, once again, was he on vacation? So then it would be, did the person who shoot him know that he was on vacation? Well, then who knew he was on vacation? The other, uh, you know, maybe somebody was, once again, maybe somebody was calling in him in sick. Like we know so many times in disappearances, we know there are people who get a hold of a missing person's phone and pretend to be the missing person. So we have to um, consider that. Um, the other thing that occurs to me is he was shot in his doorway. Now, I know for me, as you all know, I live in a condo building. I live in the eighth floor. You need uh, a key to get into the elevator area down on the first and second floor. There is a guard out there with the arms. You know, it's just nobody can come onto this property. Even considering all of that, if somebody comes and knocks at my door, which is right over here, I look through the peephole before I open the door, even though I know there's all these things that people have to get through before they even get up to the eighth floor. Now, certainly when I lived in Madeira Beach and my front door essentially opened onto the street, that was a, even a more you know, you know, risky, dangerous situation, although I never had any problems down there. But still, even I look out the peephole before I open the front door. And if it seems like, you know, what is this? I may just, you know, I've never had this issue. So it's hard for me. Usually it's 
a UPS guy or an Amazon guy or somebody that I know that I've seen around the property. So being that this guy opened his front door, would would we be led to believe that it was somebody that he knew or somebody that he trusted? Maybe somebody who was dressed as a UPS worker, somebody who was dressed as a FedEx or a postal worker or somebody like that, or it was somebody he knew. What I want to know is, was this the type of guy who would open his door the whole way for a stranger? So these are some things that are on my mind uh, that caught my eye. uh, And uh, once again, though, I'm not a murder guy. But um, so... Just something uh, to think about once again. The murdered man's name is uh, – where is his name? Russell Walker. He was 50 years old. He was murdered January 4th, 2011 in Broward County, which is kind of down there, uh, Miami area. So if you want to check that out, you can do that. Okay, let's move to this Friday's – Episode, The Disappearance of the Pickering Six. Yes, this is just going to be kind of like the three young men uh, who went missing here in Florida back in 1995. Coincidentally, uh, it's the same year. And coincidentally, it's also a bunch of Canadian young men. On In the early morning hours of March 18th of 1995, there were six young men. We went to a party together, and a couple of them said that they were going to go to the local marina, which was on Lake and on Lake Ontario, uh, to go around down to the marina and you know mess around or something. Uh, one of them was 16 years old, four of them were 17 years old, and one of them was 18 years old. These six left the party, and at least by humans, were never seen again. When it turned out that people discovered they were missing video was checked from that local marina but only three of the young men are seen on it in addition it was eventually discovered in that marina that a boat was missing but the boat was only like 15 feet long and if all six of them got on this boat it would have been pretty crowded well after they went missing all six went missing at the same time They went out, boats, helicopters, looking over Lake Ontario. Nothing was found. The boat was never found. It's still missing, and these six young men are still missing. Now, Pickering, if you want to know, is on on Lake Ontario. It is just north. You could call it a suburb of Toronto or Toronto, however you want to pronounce it. And once again, this, these disappearances happened on March 18th, 1995. The guest is a, let's just call him an independent investigator. His name is Bruce Ricketts. He has been in contact with five of the six families of these missing young men. He's been working on these disappearances since 2010. He has a website set up for it. And the name of this episode is going to be Red Flags because that term comes up a bit in the interview that I did with him. So you maybe want to start looking that up right now. This is a long interview. I think it was like two and a half hours long. Maybe you can understand. 
we go through the video. We talk about the video. We talk about the currents of Lake Ontario, the capabilities of the boat, of the boat and some things that were found after the disappearance that may or may not be related to their disappearances. So once again, these six young men, I'm not going to go through their names at this point, but I'm just calling them the Pickering Six, disappeared March 18th, 1995 from Pickering, Ontario, Canada. Bruce Ricketts, an independent investigator, is the guest, and the title of the episode will be Red Flags. So that's all I got for this live show on my birthday, August 1st. 2021 um please consider uh subscribing to this channel joining as a member 10 cents a day please consider doing all of that give this video a thumbs up or if you're listening to the audio version please give it five stars or or whatever um what we talk about disc golf the dentist seinfeld gotta start working out again the brewster's poll um, the UK company that I continue to work with, Tyler North, Unfound Now, the newsletter, upcoming episodes, Jason Landry, uh, the guy who fell out of the plane, Daniel Robinson, who is still missing after a year, this uh, airline pilot who got shot, a murder still unsolved, and then finished it up. Took a question from Paula. Thank you. Got a lot of generous people for the Super Chat tonight. Finished it up with Pickering Six this Friday. That's all I got. Uh, for tonight. Um, uh, thank you, Char- Charlie Bravo, for thank you for the wishes. Keep your eye on a swivel. Jasmine says, have a great week, all of you. Yeah, it's 2022, everything. Thank, thank you. There's hope. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, you're meant to type. Yeah, you're I'm meant to type. Nice chat, Twinkle. Good to see you, Twinkle. Thank you, everybody, for making my birthday very, very special. And, yeah, you too, Charles. Uh, Thank you for the birthday wishes. I can only hope that your birthday in a few weeks, Charles, is as good as mine has been. And that's all I got. Uh, If you miss some of this, you can hear it tomorrow in your podcast feed. And then you will see and hear me uh, on Friday. Good night, everyone. Thank you so much. It's been a great birthday. Thank you.